Welcome, welcome everyone to the Enthusiast Life brought to you by GamerGoo. My name is Mark Turcotte. I'm so glad each and every one of you have decided to make me a part of your day. Well, my friends, today we have a new episode of The Guest Spot. That's right. Today I'm joined by my longtime friend, the editor-in-chief of Game Insider Magazine and Game-Insider.com, Mr. Derek Smith. That's right. We sit down and talk about how Derek got into content creation with video games, just his love of video games. And we even have a talk about the Outriders demo and even Xbox Game Pass and kind of the future of video games. So hopefully you enjoy this conversation. I'll be back on the flip side here to kind of wrap it up. Uh, So without further ado, here we go. Enjoy. All right, so joining me now, a longtime friend of mine, going back to even for those that listen to this because of Guardian Radio, to the early days of Guardian Radio, you probably know this voice, the editor-in-chief of Game Insider Magazine, Derek Smith. Derek, what's up, man? What's going on, Mark? How's it going, my brother? Going good, man. Long time no chat. I was trying to think. We haven't talked. Gee, I mean, well, it's been months, but I mean, it was probably, what, the summertime, I think, right? I would say uh, summer 2020, yeah. 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 I would say. I remember, I think wow, we had a conversation a post like PS5 details, maybe. So it was probably like August mm-hmm. or no. Post PS5? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say right before, like pre PS5 launch, I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It was because uh, I remember talking to you about uh, yeah. Miles Morales going both PS4 and PS5. And at the time we talked, it hadn't been confirmed. Mm, yes. yes so. Hadn't been confirmed. And. I was able to confirm that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, Derek, I'm, I remember that. I'm having you here because, you know, the, these guest spots, I've been having people on um, just to talk about like things they're enthusiastic about and how they got into, um, you know, the, the things that they're in, that they're enthusiastic about. And in your case, you know, I want to have yeah. you here um, because, you know, you have a history in just creating not necessarily video games, but video game content, content surrounding video games, which, you know, many people today call like games journalism, or, you know, a lot of folks just have YouTube channels, you know, podcasts like, like mine here. Um, So I wanted to have you on to kind of shoot that angle. But before we get into some of that, I guess just let people know, I guess, a little bit about yourself um, and, you know, what it is that you do, uh, I guess, in the Mm -hmm. covering game space. What is it? What is it that you do, man? So today, it's it's a culmination of multiple things. Uh, as the editor-in-chief of Game Insider Digital Media, um, I cover news and updates of video games primarily. But that consists of, you know, not just playing the video games, uh, to be quite honest, which is the best part if the games are good. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, writing, editing, uh, we have now a team of people uh, through different sort uh, resources that write for us. And uh, before when I was blogging, I would call it blogging. Um, I was doing all the writing and I wasn't that good of an editor. Uh, and I had to sharpen my chops on, on that front because I was just, you know, trying to get the news out as fast as possible. But now it's more relaxed where I can really concentrate on the the, the, the writing being good or, or uh, better than it has ever been uh, now, along with playing the games, reviewing the games, as well as taking advantage of certain social media uh, resources such as YouTube. YouTube has been huge for us as of late. Um, been doing this for a long time, Mark. However, we never really embraced YouTube like we did, uh, I would say, first quarter of 2010. Um, and in doing that, we saw a big difference. We went from about 230 some odd subscribers to right now, I think we're close to 
ten thousand. Well, we're over ten thousand, but we are at about ten thousand seven hundred, ten thousand six hundred right awesome, now. Awesome, man. That's great. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm I'm excited about that. Um, and of course, uh, with the magazine, of course, uh, before that was birthed back in two thousand and nine, I believe the first issue went live two thousand and ten digitally. Um, I've had to teach myself how to create a magazine. I just I wanted to do it, but I'm like. You know, I want to build a Tesla, but how do I do it, right? Right. So, yeah. uh, my beautiful wife, of course, she's intelligent and brilliant. So we put our heads together, and I figured it out. Um, so with the magazine first, thinking that was going to be my name, that my uh, name to claim, uh, claim the, what's how do you say it? Your, fame? Uh, claim to fame. <laughs> claim to fame. <laughs> uh, it just evolved, right? You know, you right. you, you, you have and then you create a website and then you make it look better and make the, the work better. Uh, and then you create the magazine and you want to get that on a regular basis. But then looking at business partnerships that can work, that makes sense. And then you evolve to taking advantage of things that you kind of overlook like YouTube and, and Instagram. Um, and so now we, we, we offer the magazine. We have a great compelling website and our YouTube channel was kicking butt alongside our Instagram job uh, page which is almost at about nine thousand uh followers at the moment as well so we're excited about that um and we're just cultivating that right at the moment mark we are in the process of kind of changing up some things uh, but i don't want to get into too many details about that but it's just mm -hmm. a direction that we go in with our reviews we're going to change up how we do that uh continue offering reviews but we're going to do it in a in a different way um i think it makes more sense for us at this point but uh, in the meantime, I'm just kind of overseeing video production of the YouTube channel, the, 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 how, how, how should I say, how, how the, the, the words are articulated in the magazine to make mm -hmm. that more compelling. Because, you know, sometimes being a digital publication, you're so, you, you, you can get caught up in the, the visual aids being very over the top, along with the links and the videos. But at the end of the day, though people say that reading is a lost art, I don't agree with that uh, <laughs> so wholeheartedly. So it has to be a balancing act there. But uh, yeah, that's what I do on a daily, yeah. every day. Every well, day. Well, let's yeah. we'll circle back to that because I think that that's definitely a good topic. But I want to like what what got you into saying, "Hey, I want to create you know or, game reviews, or I want to write blog yeah. articles." You know, I mean, let's even go back before where we are today. Like, what gave you sure. that incentive? You know, yeah. in your head, what was it that made you say, "Hey, I want to do that." You know, no, exactly. I, I, I remember the exact day and moment that occurred to me. So like most uh, people who dabbled in video games, you know, I played video games, of course, a full time working husband at the time. Uh, I'm still a husband and a dad, but uh, <laughs> I was invited to E3 for the first time. In fact, how the conversation went, Mark, I was at a wedding, a colleague's wedding. I was working in um, equipment financing years ago, man, living in California. And I'm at a wedding, and this uh, wonderful, uh, incredible young lady comes up to me, and she, unbeknownst to me, she's the cousin, the groom, okay? She's the cousin to the groom. The groom is a close friend of mine. I never met this young lady in my life until this moment. And she walks up. She says, hey, so um, I hear you love video games. First thing she says to me. And, of course, I'm at a wedding. I know nobody but my wife and the groom. And so this person out of nowhere comes up to me with this fantastic smile and says, I hear you love video games. So I'm like, wow, she, she like won my heart in just that <laughs> question. Yes, I do. Let's talk yeah. about it. 
Yeah, I think anybody that's been to a wedding like that where you know nobody, if you can actually make a connection like that, especially on something video games like that that you love, you are in for the rest of the night. It's going to be a good night at that point. Yes. Introduce you to the wife and the rest is history. So, so uh, I said, of course, I answered the question, not to be long-winded, Mark. Uh, so she says, uh, she asked me, have I ever heard of E3? I looked at her. I desperately was like, have I ever heard of E3? But I was like, no. I try to be honest. I says, no, I never heard of it. And she's like, are you kidding me? I says, no. She, I mean, she went for the juggler. She goes, you call yourself a gamer? <laughs> really? And, and I still remember that. I'm like, how dare you? You know? Yeah. And uh, I'm like, you're already. So I'm like, well, what is it? She said, oh, wow. I really need to help you. You know, because Rob tells me, the, the groom, you love video games. And so, unbeknownst to me, she is actually a marketing mastermind for a company at the time known as Crave Entertainment. Do you remember Crave? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yep. yep. So she was their marketing guru. And um, she said, uh, can, you know, we let's just, hold on. We just got to stop for a second. So you, I mean, you're being honest. You didn't know what E3 was at that point. I had no idea what E3 was. This was in, okay, let me give you the year, Mark. You you literally just lived out like any video gamer's dream where it's like, oh God, I love E3. And just some random stranger that you do not know just walks up to you and says, hey, do you like E3? Why don't I give you a ticket to get in? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's where the story is going. That That's incredible, Derek. That's awesome. <laughs> That is exactly what happened. And she's an absolute <laughs> she, she took to me immediately. Of course, she was a sports head, too. She loved the L.A. Clippers. She likes the Clippers. At the time, they were awful, right? Um, she liked the San Diego Chargers. I mean, she just was this, like, I'm like, who are you? You know, she's amazing. Um, and I introduced her to the wife. And so her husband and her and my wife and I were all talking. And then she says, Derek, I like you. You know what? Let's stay in touch. Um, and I'm going to get you into E3. I said, okay. Now, I don't understand, Mark. I had an idea what this was at the time. Okay. The year was, let's go back. I'm guessing here. I'm pulling straws, brother. The year was, oh, my God, what? Let's say 2000. I? No, oh, no, 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 no. That's not the year. Because that's the year I moved to Arizona. I moved to Arizona in 2004. Let's go 2000 something. Early night, end of 1999, end of end of the 90s, early 2000s. Okay. Okay. Let's just say early, early 2000s, because I started doing this back in. Uh, let me see. The first magazine was 2009, 2010. So, yes, about early 2000s, man. Early, early 2000s. And so, our correspondence from that point on was <clears throat> via email and and. Um, uh, phone calls to get me into E3. So That's she said, awesome. it's going to be at, yeah, man, at, it's crazy. At the, at the time, it was at the, the Stable Center now. Well, Stable Center is right next to it. It was the LA Convention Center. It still mm-hmm. is, right? And Mark, uh, I he tells me what to bring, my idea and whatnot. Okay, I had never been to a gaming convention. I had no idea what, what I was about to partake in man and, and just be overwhelmed by and just mentally slaughtered um i get there she gives me instructions on where to go to see her her booth i'm like oh a booth now i'm thinking some little bitty cheap little booth you know i have no idea <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I mean seriously i'm just like, I, 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 I i have i'm i'm so like fresh out of water fish out of water man and i walk up to the doors of this place 
and I see the world in line. Like when you we've been we've been there a million times by mm-hmm. now, Mark. Um, my first one, okay. And there's people walking by me looking like my favorite gaming characters. I'm like, what is this madness, right? Cosplayers, of course. Um, walk in. I I can't even ex- articulate how overwhelming it was and how exciting my body. What my body was going through was actually unfair to me because I'm seeing these big booths that had to be 50 to a million dollars easily, easily. Okay. And I have my instructions. I'm asking the security guy, where is this and that? He's telling me, take concourse this over to this concourse, go up here. I'm like, oh Lord. And I finally get to her booth and they see her. There's like five people standing around her and she's delegating all of them. Like she's a boss boss. Right? <laughs> I'm like, wow. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm standing there and I'm looking at her and I'm like, her name is Sherry, Sherry Snow. Wonderful woman. Oh my gosh, she's still, we're still fantastic friends to this day. And I remember when I walked up, she turns and she sees me. Dude, she gets all excited. Derek, you made it. I'm like, I'm mentally in a trance, Sherry. I don't know. I'm about to pass <laughs> out. Yeah, man. And so she hugs me, man. And she's introduced me to all of these people that she was the boss over because she was running entertainment's marketing um, thing, if you will. And um, he said, basically, Derek, I want you to go to every booth, every game you like, talk to the people, get involved with them, uh, ask for a business card. If somebody treats you wrong, tell me. Literally, this is what she's hmm. telling me, Mark. Wow. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. And so that was day one. Of course, we know E3 day event. And so she even uh, gave me another ticket there. She said, hey, bring a friend with you next, tomorrow. So I, w- I would come by and say, she said, if you're hungry, I'm like, oh, I got, I'm, I'm working. I have money. I can go get something to eat. She said, no, 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 no. I'm back to the booth. We have too much food here. I get back over to her booth for like lunch. There's a smorgasbord going on. So, yeah, Mark, that's and you're hooked. The I moment. Mean, you're, so, you're definitely hooked there. I know, like, the first E3 I went to, I didn't go with Chris, who, you know, obviously people know um, as my as former co-host here with The Enthusiast yeah. Life with me. But I came home from that, and I told him, I'm like, dude, you have to go next year. Because he could have went that year, just like the, the you know, the planets didn't align where he had the days off and all that. And he went that next year, and I'll never forget after that first day, and he was just like, I could literally do this for the rest of my life. Like, being in games journalism or whatever you want to call it, game critics, critics, whatever it is, um, it's incredible. Like it, it is just so much fun to be a part of. And E three, once you go to one of those, it's, I mean, you're you're set wow. now. Obviously, now, wow. I mean, we can kind of steer the direction this way or the conversation this way is like E three now. It, no, things have changed no. a lot, obviously, because back then you we you needed you know the the internet and people needed folks to go there, play the games, experience the games, come home, write about them, do the videos, all that stuff. Now we live in a whole world where, I mean, this whole, literally this past year with the pandemic, we had no events like that. And even though we we didn't get that big weak excitement, even though people tried like Jeff Keighley doing the summer of games and all that, we still did get enough excitement kind of throughout the year where companies were able to put out their own little streams, show the games directly to their audience, essentially, get the hype train going, rule the news cycle for 24, 48 hours. 
and you know, video game industry just still rolled on, you know? Um, do you think we're ever going to get back yes. to something like that? I mean, E3 was already transitioning into more of a fan fest and no longer being the E3 that it used to be. Um, do you think we're ever right, going to get back to that again or part. what? I'm going to say, you know, that little kid in me that that loved that, you know, the, my, that, that guy inside of me that played the Atari 2600, yes, I'm that old, um, he, he – he wants it to get to that <clears throat> back, right? When I was in E3 for the first time, I was looking at the EA booth and I was looking at the Ubisoft booth and then I saw the Sony booth and the Xbox booth. I felt like, you seen those comic book car, uh, caricatures where the main pro tag is this very, very small, very small, tiny item on the pier, but these buildings are this colossal over him. That was me, and gaming was that big. And like Chris, like you said, Chris had mentioned, you know, I could do this for the rest of my life. That was my genesis into this. So I relate my jumping pad, my my springboard into this with E3. So for me to, I want to go back to that. However, I don't believe we will. I hate to say that. Yeah, I don't believe we will get back to that. And I, I'm gonna tell you why. Um, first of all. Economics, man. Mm-hmm. Financially, you don't need to because I mean, so Sony now doing not to too ahead of, of of your topics, my brother. But you know, no, you got state of play. I mentioned before, you you have Ubisoft doing their thing, EA and their thing comes to a Nintendo Direct. These these video options that are fantastic, and it makes sense because while some of us have been were complaining about E three becoming too consumer friendly um yesterday was a great example of well all of our televisions nowadays smart tvs with apps and youtube is one of them and you can just go ahead and go to that publisher's app and watch their event without them having to spend just over an excessive amount <laughs> yeah. of money. yep build a booth and then you gotta you know i mean come on mark you were getting on plane the thing is in la it didn't jump around le3 stayed in la it was never, it was ties, but it wasn't advised like this, you know, the press conferences and then all the other stuff that was happening. I think these publishers have grown smarter. Mm-hmm. Before COVID was, was horrible and, and 2020 was an extremely challenging year. There was a lot learned because you had to learn, had to adjust as a business quickly to the phenomenon of, of COVID-19, right? And so I think with that change, now you have these publishers take smarter moves. I think before, in fact, before COVID became so widespread here in the states, Sony had already announced that they're gonna—they're not gonna even be yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Last year, remember? Yep. So, so Sony was already, and some other ones were already publishers were already kind of like, you know, we really don't need this or that. Uh, that that type of murmuring was happening with 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 distastefulness uh, that Ethy was either or I should say, uh, I read, uh, the ESA run, you know, I yeah, many of the publishers weren't really agreeing with they were doing the direction they were three in maybe. Uh, so we already saw the right of the wall prior to it becoming a, 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 a pandemic thing. Um, but no, no, I don't, I don't think yeah. we're going to go back to what it was. I mean, even the economics too, you, you look at how even just like game reviews and that are coming out now you know they're they're sending these copies of games to 
influencers in that rather than sending them to the journalists oh, first, God. you know, and really it, in, in terms of a marketing sense, it makes sense, right? Send it to where the eyeballs are going to be, right? All the influencers or YouTubers or streamers, all that. It's more worthwhile for you to send those people like a game rather than spend all the money you would spend on advertising on, you know, whatever television mm -hmm. network or hell even, I mean, of course you're going to have your YouTube ads and all that most companies are going to spend money on that but you can pinpoint that advertising so much better now and you know things mm -hmm. like influencers and that just have totally right. brought that to the next level you know i don't want to say there's no need even for the gaming press now but it seems like so many people with the advent of like youtube channels and twitch and hell even podcasts like you can actually advertise by really pinpointing down to specific audiences now so much more than you probably ever could mm -hmm. before and, uh, you know, I think if you yeah. think about what the purpose of E3 was before, it was obviously for buyers from, you know, like Best Buy, Target, and that would go to see what the, the new games are. But it was also a way to kind of just showpiece your new games coming out for essentially the broader video game audience. But now you don't really need that as much, man. You could run a 15-minute stream on Twitch tell every and YouTube and yeah. tell everybody, oh, it's going to be this day at this time. And you own the day and that's it rather than getting lost the in the mix. Right. You know, the only, the only thing you're mm -hmm. really losing out on, I think from E3, obviously like us, the, the kids in, inside us love going, it's like going to Disney world when you're a gamer, right? I mean, you go to E3, that's what yeah. it is. But the only thing yeah. that, that I think is kind of being lost is those smaller kind of unknown games that would always pop up that nobody would really know about. And it was that hands-on that people were getting on the show floor that would create that word of mouth and kind of that buzz that would come around it. You know, we're not yeah. really going to get those anymore. Um, but you know, Hey, that, that just, I think pushes developers to make games that much better or make okay. the games stand out that much more, you know? Right. I mean, that, that really is kind of what it is. Um, so stepping back from that a little bit, what is it about video games for you, Derek, that, you know, has made you, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming kind of like me, maybe where it is, maybe your favorite, medium almost you know like what is it about video yeah. games that you still continue to play video games today like what keeps you involved in video games so so i'm again man i have to give you a long-winded origin story on that uh but i have to a little bit <laughs> so um you know for me mark it's never changed from that first time i finished the first tomb raider okay here's the thing so when when I play a video game, it is my most favorite medium. Uh, nothing else compares when it comes to entertainment, in my personal opinion. Uh, when I finished a, a game um, and I was able to see the credits, that in and of itself, that little dynamic of playing the game from the beginning to the very end, learning the the about these characters, um, watching your favorite movie, right, and falling in love with these characters their personalities, how they tie into this yourself, this brilliant narrative, and you taking this journey with this protagonist and then completing it. that process right there for me was my indoctrination into gaming. I love reading, Mark. I love reading a lot of books um, because with reading, you know, you're not being, the, the you're Imagination becomes what this writer is creating on paper and you are just falling in love with it and it's great. But you can't interact with it. Right. So I'm going to say when it comes to reading these wonderful graphic novels or just novels that I on a regular basis, you know, the art of reading does have that advantage. However, 
when I'm able to play an interactive experience uh, nowadays, okay, it's it's so much far beyond what it was when I first started playing the first Tomb Raider. I, I bring up the first Tomb Raider because, again, it was the first game that I played from start to finish. When I finished that game, I needed more deathly and fast. I needed more because I'm like, wait, I need to complete this. Laura, I need her next adventure. Eidos, Crystal Dynamics, they came out with the second one. I was throwing my money at 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 the time electronic boutique, right? Um, GameStop purchased, of course, and became GameStop, but EB Games. Um, I I I bought the second one and finished it, and then of course I got my hands on Devil May Cry back in the day and finished it. I'm like, who is this guy Dante? He's swinging his sword, he's shooting his guns, Ebony and Ivor. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm this right. This Nephilim is just unstoppable. So for me where it was these it was the experience the authenticity of these experiences that became genuinely mine right i could see here's the thing mark the, the, the difference between a great game good game and a bad game for me a great game when you pick it up and you play it for the first 25 minutes it's compelling to the point where when you put it down and you're having a conversation with your wife you're talking to your son about homework you're whatever you're doing right that game and the experience is lingering in your thoughts. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh my God. I mean, how many times, I, how many times have you had an experience where like, I'm trying to think of a game that I've played recently that had this. I mean, even maybe Miles Morales maybe where like, then you're, you know, I'm driving through Uptown Charlotte here in North Carolina. Uh -huh. And like, as you're driving through the city, you're just kind of looking up at the buildings and like in my head, you know, you picture yourself uh -huh. just like pulling yourself right up. Like you can just... You're always yeah. within that game world. And like for me, that's what where I think the games have always, why I've always transitioned to games is definitely the stories. You know, that has always pulled me in. But it always gives you that opportunity to, I don't want to say role play, but essentially that's what you're doing. You're playing someone else. You know, you're able to take yourself out right. of your own reality and live in this essentially a fantasy world that you'll never get to be, but you're going to do things that you'll never be able to do. And it's just, that's why games for me have always translated over. But yet in the same sense, there's even games that are very simple puzzle games that just, you know, make me think outside the box right. or think of ways that I, I never, you know, normally think about or test my mind. Like there's so many things that games do like that. And, and I think for yeah. me, that's always been the appeal. And what's interesting is we're seeing so many concepts like that transition over to other things that aren't necessarily games. You know, I mean, how many things now are being gamified? You know, you look at something like a Facebook yeah. or even you mentioned like Instagram, like sure. All that is is service. Yes. People are putting up pictures, but how many people always go and look at how many likes did they get? You know, how many hearts did they get? Even though, you know, your mom, your grandmother out there may not consider themselves a gamer. If they're spending time scouring through Facebook all day long, they're probably a gamer. I'd be knowing to them. Don't be yeah, nice to them. They're right. a gamer because yeah. Facebook in the end is like this social game that nobody is really looking at. There, there are many little tools that they're putting into that, that they've learned from people just playing video games for so many years that it, it, it just it hits that little endorphin spot in your mind of, you know, maybe you, you win or you, I don't know. It's just, it's everything now is becoming gamified. It just makes things so much more enjoyable, I guess is the right way to say it. And, uh, and I was, yeah. it's, it's just yeah. interesting to see, man. Let me say this as well. Uh, when you said that little endorphin, I think for myself, it, it was definitely that endorphin kick that that kept me coming back to the idea of completing. Right? I, I go back to Tomb Raider because 
humor that had that way of being mentally challenging, adventurous, fun. And then once you pass that one chapter or that one level, <clears throat> you go into the next level. Of course, mini games do it today, which we all experience. But it was that completionist mentality of I gotta get to the next one. I gotta get to the next area. Yeah. And then of course, once the credits were rolling, you were sitting there like, okay, I'm addicted. I need to be put in a straight jacket because I need my next fix, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yep. Um, but uh yeah, and of course, of course, let me just say, you know, I I did use the term addiction and then <laughs> I did sit a straight jacket, and I understand that sometimes people are very they really want to use games as this. They want to weaponize games and and wrongfully use it of things that in the realm of addiction or whatnot. But that's a whole other conversation, Mark. Yeah, yeah, um, but I, it, it is. And but but one thing to say in that, and the the one defense I always have is like, you know, those people that are saying that they probably binge watched a whole season of something on Netflix on Saturday before they wrote that article, and it's like, what's the difference? <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, and, and look, I'm not saying that video games can't be an addiction or whatever, but it's like how I, how I came to you just talking about games. I said, it's, right. it's a, a form of medium that we enjoy. Television is a medium. Books are a medium, you know? So, so what's right. the difference of, you know, people touting, I watched, you know, all the whole season of Game of Thrones or, you know, season seven all on Saturday was great. But then, you know, when someone says, oh, I, well, I played games for six hours, you're like, oh, that's terrible. You're a loser. Yo, you watch Game of right. Thrones. You know what? What's the difference? The only right. difference is the gamer used problem solving, used hand-eye coordination. You know, they didn't just veg out on the couch. So yeah. that, and that's right. always been my argument. And I, I hate it when people try to you know bring that stuff up um, because yeah. you know I, it's yeah. to me it's one and the same almost. You know, it's just a, some form of entertainment sure. that you're consuming. And obviously, too much can be a bad thing. You know, uh, but for right, some, we need a balance. Yep. Yes. But for many folks, you know, yeah. video games is, especially in this pandemic world we're in right now, this is many folks' lifeline to the outside world. I mean, oh, how how many yeah. Nintendo Switches and how many copies of Animal Crossing were sold this year? Inc oh, incredible numbers because people were like, hey, Animal Crossing's cool. I can go on there and I can connect with friends through that. Or how many exactly. people played Warzone this year because they were able to connect with friends right. or Fortnite or any of those things. It's just... You know, gaming yes. was and Animal Crossing, by the way, an amazing game too. I just want to say that. I love Animal <laughs> <Yeah>. Crossing. <laughs> it is. Yeah. That's a game you're gonna veg out to, definitely. You're just kind of get lost in that yeah. world, man. It's it's great. Um, all right. Well, let's let's shift over, I guess, to kind of the current state of video games. And and I mean, we can even okay. it kind of can even come off, not necessarily the addiction side, but just kind of how games have transitioned. I mean, you mentioned like Tomb Raider, those are very that's a very story-driven game, and that was kind of the initial pull. Um, to get you into games, but games obviously have changed so much, man. Over you know the this course of even both you and I, even having been together doing things with Game Insider and Game Reverb, our old podcast and all that. Like, you know, you look at I remember when like the early DLC content coming out. And you think of like the horse armor and Oblivion, or you know, oh, even wow. remember when like the on like the way they were trying to stop like used games. You had to buy like a brand new copy to get that. You know, the e was it the EA games to play those online. If you bought a used copy, you didn't get that code. Like there were so many things. And now we're to the point where they're just like giving games away for free, <laughs> essentially these free to play games. But the quality of some of these games are incredible. I mean, my son, dude, plays Fortnite nonstop. Like that is his game and it's a free game. And, you know, he, but he buys, he loves buying skins. That's kind of his, his thing with that game. And in one end, you know, I'm kind of like, 
why why do you need another skin you just got you know every time oh this is the best skin ever and then two weeks later oh it's the best skin ever but in the flip side it's like but he's you know if you look at how much money he's spending on the game it's no different than me buying a new game every month right it's actually cheaper doing it that way but even you look at games like warzone or um even like genshin impact which i think i don't know if you've dipped into that at all that i think it's one of the best free-to-play games i've ever played mark i was literally about to just because because it literally it feels like a regular game that and i i I kind of use that loosely but you know what i mean like it feels like a story-driven rpg and i can put it down yeah it's beautiful too and it's fantastic i'm like what i'm like this can't be free to play this is a demo no it's a full-fledged yeah Expanding game in world, yes, great, great, great example. But like, what do you think, man? Kind of 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 the state of games now, where we are. Like, when you look back, like, are we in? Are we on a good path? Are we in a good direction? Like, that's a great question. I I I believe for publishers, sure. <laughs> um, as much as we fight against the machine, you know, we we put up our 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 uh, our banners and our signs and say, no, we strike against the machine talking about, you know, we hate DLC because DLC is nothing more than extra content that you could have put under the umbrella of the actual entry cost. So it's going to continue to go that direction, right? You, 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 you're going to see games as a service, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. but then it's going to become the norm, right? It's going to become the norm and, and it's going to be us as consumers and how we, because uh, we actually are still in control of what happens in gaming, okay? If we come together and be like, look, we're not buying the game. Um, we've seen that on certain smaller fronts, but Dude, once the say, industry... Perfect example, Cyberpunk. Like, what happened there, man? Like, Well, with Cyberpunk, that was, and if you don't mind me just going for the jugular, no. with Cyberpunk, and I'm a huge CD Projekt Red fan, they were just outright greedy and foul, period. Okay, that, that that was nothing more. When you have what is it, 16 million pre-orders uh, prior to the launch of the game, you're working on this game every single day on trying to make this game the best it can possibly be. The heads at that company knew that game was not ready for launch. It wasn't ready. They knew that game was not ready. When I consider uh, CD Pro- uh, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, I, I consider it a, a dream deferred because I played the game and I played it in a, the, I've never played a game that bad in my life that was that broken from a technical standpoint. <laughs> Me too, man. But it, it was, it was unbelievable. It's almost good. What did you play it on? Your yeah, PS5? Well, it, it, played it on PlayStation 5, man. Okay, um, yeah, me too. And, and, and here's, here's the, here's where the opportunity missed just frustrates myself as a gamer first. Mark, it was fun. Right. The game was fun, man. I'm saying to myself, what is everybody talking about? This is fantastic. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, the whole crescendo just took place. um, And it was just an absolute awful experience. With that experience, I I take even the worst situations like with EA and Star Wars Battlefront, what they did with that game and how they just, just tried to just for lack of a better term, just rape their consumers financially. I mean, come on, guys. You know, that to me is different than, slightly different than what Cyberpunk, than what CD Projekt Red did, but similar. Because you're taking money, you're literally stealing from consumers because this is not a complete, this is not a finished project. It's not. Um, 
But I, I don't think, though, that how do I say it, Mark? I, I, the machine is very powerful. And as consumers, we do control the machine to a degree with our money. But when you look at free-to-play games and how big they've become, like, you know, your, your, well, PUBG, eh, sort of free-to-play. You got a still entry fee there, but sort of free-to-play now. Um, games like Fortnite. When you're making games as good as Kenshin Impact, Fortnite, and they're free-to-play, and then you move into other er arenas where you're making things games as a service, where there's an entry fee for 20 bucks, but you're getting such an overwhelming experience, you can't really argue that. You can't say this is not fair, and I, and I don't think it's going to stop. As long as the games continue to get better, which they are, because no one saw Fortnite coming. I mean, come on now. Fortnite wasn't even nope. Fortnite as we know it. It was, it took from what PUBG was doing, which was brilliant, okay, and repurposed that, that, uh, what, uh, let's call it a genre, because the whole, um, uh, in world. <laughs> what do you, what do, you do with your headset, man? You got a headset on? Because it keeps us kind of going like. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm moving. Let me sit still. That's okay. My hands are going all over the place. Um. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. But, you know, it just becomes a situation where these games are getting better and better and better. I mean, some of these games, man, are better than games that you have to pay $60 to $70 for. Yeah. They're, they're that good. I mean, they're literally that good. Um, so this, the current state of gaming, is, I believe, is in a good place. I do. Um, you, you were going to always have those games that build with so much hype. The, the Cyberpunk 2077 situation is... That's an anomaly situation. You, you, we're not gonna. I've never seen a game that hyped, crash and burn like that. And yeah. We've never seen that. Definitely like, not. No. That, that's that's something that's like you know a Neo in the Matrix type of thing. <laughs> like what in the world? You know, it, it, it was it, it's horrible. Um, and I'll say shame on CD Projekt Red. Shame on you. That that was that was absolutely yeah. awful. And you could. I mean, I mean, really, I think in that situation, when you look back at it, it's like they just needed to be honest and say, "Hey, we shot for the stars or for the moon, whatever you want to say." And you know, we we shot a little too high, I think. And you know, through that process, the next gen consoles came out, and the old gen, you know, the scope of our game and at least the, the engine it was running on and all that, the older generation of consoles just could not handle this. And even you though know, they had all those pre-orders in, they needed to just be honest with those people and say, look, we, we, if we put this out, it's not going to run well at all. And we need to be honest. And we're just going to have to cancel those pre-orders. Now I know, like you said, money wise is really what drove all that. They said, you know what, let's just put it out. Yeah. Maybe no one will notice, but they knew everybody was going to notice obviously. And you know, here we are now in the situation where had they just been honest and, you know, took a little bit of, bit of the financial hit in the end, I think it would have paid off more where now, you know, it's done so much to mar their name where it's, I mean, I'm sure they're going to be able to bounce it, back from it at some point, but it's like, I hope, God, I hope. man. But Mark, here's the thing. Yeah, it, it's bad. I, I, I say this, Mark. You know, I'm, I've really thought about that situation and I, walking away from that, I say to myself, they could have avoided this at all costs. I, 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 I'm not going to put any blame on the limitations of the last generation hardware. Because at the end of the day, we know this to be true. Don't be that cautionary tale that causes me to say, I don't know, because they made it. See, when these developers say the game will be launched when it's ready, we now love those companies for delaying the game. Mm -hmm. Because when they delay yeah. 
it's going to be right, right? Um, when you have 14, Mark, we're people, okay? We're people. And I shouldn't say we all love money, but it's quite attractive. I'll just say that, right? Money's very attractive. You have 14 million pre-orders. Brother, in your mind, you're already, you're already in Cancun. I'm already in Fiji. That money is, I'm spending that money. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so I want to ruin that. I mean, th and think about this too, Mark. You know, we have this pandemic that's happening. I get the stress. I get the concern. You have this pandemic that's happening. People are losing their minds. They, they want to get out the house. Christmas is around the corner. Are we really going to just, are we going to really push this game back? That, that's probably what they're thinking. And they'd already and done it, my, what, I, three times before that? So it was like, yeah, I mean, they just, they had to do it. Yeah. I mean, keep, the pressure. Keep, keep pushing it back. Keep pushing it back yeah. because the game, because the game at the end of the day, when the consumer gets the game in hand, remember this publishers, once the gamers have your games in hand, okay, and it's good, you're forgiven for whatever this indiscretions you may have done or whatever. If the game is solid and very good and the consumer has the game in hand, you don't care about yesterday. It's all about what have you done for me lately right now? Mm -hmm. So they're and it sucks but the current state of gaming mark i believe is in, a, is in a great place we're seeing the mini games you're seeing this uh explosion of great writing um yeah that's i think the first definitely it's fantastic man one of the things I, I i always go back to when i when i play a game that has great writing uh i always go back to the first game that i played that had the best writing and that was a game called the legacy of kane um with Kane, the vampire, along with Raziel, his his uh, well, Raziel was actually the protagonist, if you will, because it was Legacy of Kane, uh, and it was about the Pillars of Nosgoth in this story, brilliant story written by the same writer of Uncharted, uh, uh, Amy Hennig, who I'm a huge fan of. So that type of writing was unique for its time. The voice acting was absolutely just beyond. And so today, you look at a lot of games that we're playing, man, and writing is fantastic i mean if you look at a game like i mean if in fact go back to the first halo combat evolved for a minute man and just when you play that game of course most times on the surface we talk about the superficial the guns were great right. the physics back you throw a grenade their bodies are flying oh it's like what this is amazing but when you actually play that game and how bungie was actually like when you play that game cooperatively or by yourself, you know, you start to fall in love with the little NPC that you just have these relationships with. And then when their <laughs> yeah. lives are taken, like, the remember that pilot? And I'm like, no way. Like, she got, dude, like, yep. there are things like that yep. writing that make an experience that much more brilliant. And you see that becoming, I won't say better, but you see this evolution happening. Uh, the last God of War, you know, how do you put a little boy alongside Kratos? Like what? That's I mean, just talking about that conceptually is kind of foolish. But then when you see the execution of it, you're like, oh my God, Atreus and Kratos, Kratos, you know, this whirlwind of destruction. Now he is trying to learn how to be a father. The writing in that, so not to be too long-winded on that point, but I'm just saying, you know, when I look at the state of gaming and I'm looking at these uh, these strides and that are taken you know we see now women that are fully clothed thank god you know and <laughs> can be the, the, the woman protagonist can be appreciated in gaming um yep. so they're not these you know boob fest just foolishness it you see the industry going in a direction where it's like listen people's lives matter their concerns matter mm -hmm. you put them in the games you know, gaming doesn't always have to be 
and I always talk about this with uh, the last Star Wars Jedi. Um, what was Jedi that Fallen Order. Uh, we play Fallen Order. A very solid game. So many people's biggest gripe was like, "Come on, guys! If you look at the get there, look at the lore of Star Wars, man, you're really gonna give us this plain apple pie, hot dog eating white boy again? Like, are we, are we doing that again?" <laughs> I love when characters in a game make sense, but there are over a billion different. Yeah. Species, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, yeah. Really? No, no, like, no, no, I agree. But, but, but you, you see that, but then you now see people, uh, gamers, or I should say, excuse me, publishers making games for an, a wider audience and it makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's, it, you know, um, Spider Man Miles Morales. Oh, oh my God. So good, dude. Arc. Oh, man. Right? It was just... It, I mean, of course it was great because it was Spider-Man. Right, you know, but no, dude, that... Miles' story was just... But and, how did you go? Yes. Oh, yes. I was just going to say, dude, the, the thing that really hit me the most in that game um, was when you finish the game and you mm -hmm. do that final... Did you? I mean, I'm sure you did the scavenger hunt at the end. Everything. Everything oh, I could possibly do. Yes. I mean, it was the best game last year. Like for me, it was my number one game last year, easily. There, there was. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, I mean, I had oh, wow. Final Fantasy VII Remake was my number two. Ooh. I actually didn't play it last year. I played it in January this year, and it was close, yeah. dude. It was super close. But I think just wow. okay. no. my love of Spider Man, my love of the character of Miles, it just it was perfect. Is that right? It's perfect. It was authentic. Yes. Yeah. In, in fact, great. I've been I lived in New York for quite a while. Um, back in the day when I was uh, in another life and I was an athlete and um, just the city, you know, he had a black father, I believe his mother, let's call her Cuban, the way he spoke with her, the way mm -hmm. it just, the it just, his, 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 the authenticity of, of Miles and the way Peter loved on him and took him under his wing and the way he wanted to make Peter proud. So that, that's to me a lot of promise with the industry, man, because you see these developers out there just swinging for the fence, brother. So I'm excited yeah. about what the industry is. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's a question for yeah. you. You mentioned live service games, which obviously, you know, kind of has become the norm nowadays with Destiny and the Division. And I mean, you know, there's so many games yeah. kind of blurring that line of MMOs. It basically was kind of the, the convergence of MMOs with, I guess your standard video games, if you want to say, and part of the reason is they want players to keep coming back to their games and to just keep playing their games over and over and maybe not stray elsewhere to the point where now we have a game that as of this recording, the demo is out for now in a game like outriders where those developers are just coming out flat out to say, this isn't a live service game. <laughs> like they want to let you know that everything on this disc, that's what you're getting. Or, you know, when you download it, like this is the game, like we're, we're not going to be your destiny. And, you know, that's been kind of a different shift where up to this point, we've had companies coming out saying our game is a live service, but then you look at some of the failures, not that necessarily the division was a failure, but the first one kind of was initially, right? I mean, they sold a bunch of copies, but in terms of the reception and, and the, the way that live service rolled out, obviously the division two, they learned a lot from it and put it out, but you look at the recently now completely canceled Anthem, you know, Anthem was going to be the destiny killer. Obviously, you know, that didn't turn out too well for them. Um, as much as I love the story of Marvel Avengers, um, and still, I, I don't understand why people like can't get beyond the fact that it, if you play just a single player portion of that, for me, well worth the price of entry, loved it. 
But I guess if you're looking for another live service game, which they kind of pitch the multiplayer as, I can see the failure there. But um, how do you feel now just kind of in the state of a lot of games? And I mean, it, it even goes over to the free, free-to-play free games as well, just being these games as a service. And I mean, obviously on the Sony side, we're getting much more like your Miles Morales, we're getting Horizon, we're getting God of War. You're still getting those very story-driven games, but they seem to be much fewer and far between, you know, and obviously Sony's doubling down on it. I mean, we see Microsoft with the purchase of Bethesda and, and, and that kind of going that way as well. But, you know, the live service games seem to be like the games now, the hot games. Well, what do you think of that? Yes, I mean, think about the Division 2 as well. You know, it's a live service as well. You know, it's one of those things where it's hitting miss though, Mark, right? You know, you, you have to get it right if you're going to launch a live service game. You got to get it right. If you, if you miss... You're gonna miss bad. You mean you're gonna pull a muscle <laughs> if you miss. Um, you know, looking at a game like the first division, you know, sure, I would say it wasn't worthwhile because of my expectations for it. But looking at the chance that Bungie took on that game, they needed to launch Des- Destiny the way they needed to because you know there's only so much creativity you can offer into that, and then you see this amazing culmination of sorts take place with with destiny 2 destiny 2 people say well destiny 2 was well destiny 2 is what destiny 1 should have been i say i i i get that at the end of the day what being what bungie did was really they took a massive chance man mm-hmm. they took no one has ever no one did that before nope. and so i applaud them for the chance they took with the first destiny because i mean come on man when we were <laughs> podcasting it and imagining this this vastness you know i i can recall times where you know the radio show uh guardian you know how it blew up you know from the from the start mark and we were talking about things that deej back in the day was like wait who the heck are these guys i need to talk to this guy named mark like what these are because we were in this grassroots position with destiny to make it something that was grandiose as this live service experience mm-hmm. that was scary man i mean it was scary and then you look at what we expected right because our imaginations were running running wild then destiny drops in short there was some disappointment there but when it's realized like okay we know a direction we need to go in all the suggestions and the feedbacks and youtube channels from all over the world that were excited about this experience i'm going to totally delivered on its promise for most of what it wanted to do when i say destiny i mean destiny as a complete as a complete package part one and two it delivered on most of that um now it still does today man (laughs) you know there's still because i'm I'm gonna be honest with you man people listen to the show here they know i've i've kind of come back to destiny now here over the last couple weeks here with this new season like i've been having a blast like i have the destiny bug again you know we mentioned that endorphin hit like destiny's always been about just rerunning the same missions you know i mean you're doing it over and over but you give me that little loot drop that brings my power level up that one level man that one bit i'm in because now i can run that you know that next mission even though i've run that next mission a hundred times i can run it now on the next level you know a little bit harder and uh yeah see see, here's where it becomes very challenging for other developers. For example, there's a developer out there called Counterplay, and of course, they recently launched uh, their game called Godfall, which is a PlayStation 5 console exclusive at the moment. It's also on PC. And of course, from the reviewer standpoint, it got it got hit pretty hard. Um, if you go back in, it's kind of a double standard. Because if you go back in, if you play the game, of course, I played it religiously, Godfall. 
It's offering you far more in its package than the first Destiny out the gate, right? But Destiny has set such a high standard that if you're going to offer a game like this, there are certain little things you have to have, right? Little symptoms have to be there that make it great. And so if you're taking a chance on a game as a service or, or a live service type of game, you have to do it well out the gate. It doesn't have to be completely finished, but you have to do it well. Going, Looking at the guys over at People Can Fly and Outrider, they took they took the right direction because they stayed within their strengths. I'm right. saying if you know anything about People Can Fly, these guys, you know, they made Bullet Storm back in the day, which, of course, I laughed at. I'm like, oh, my God, this fake Gears of War trash, blah, 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 blah. As soon as they put a new, like, resolution frame rate skin on it, I was like, I love Bullet Storm. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, yeah, I did, man. And so when I look at their efforts with Outriders, of course, I'm playing the latest demo that came out yesterday. Yesterday, Mark, I put at least six hours on that game. Did you really? Wow. Yes. I... Mark, I, okay, I jump when it says demo, I'm gonna jump in and jump out, right? That's my my that's what I do. No. I jumped into this game and I started like a madman texting everybody. Mark, I'm sorry to shoot you a text about how good the game was um <laughs> yesterday. But I got into it and, and Mark, I literally said this to myself, and for those listening to your show who love Gears of War, you're gonna hate me, don't hate me, love me, but it's just the early excitement vibe. It comes across, the UI comes across as destiny, the gameplay is Gears of War. And the cover system is completely the, the division. Boiled up into this gumbo experience, and Mark, you're gonna get. I I advise you to jump in this demo. Already have, man. I have. It's, I played. It, it happened. Did you play a little bit of it? I did. I played about two and a half hours, maybe. And it definitely. I mean, Gears of War is all over it because these guys they made Gears of War Judgment, so yeah. people can fly made that. Right, so it's exactly. like totally Gears right. of War. Um, obviously it has the destiny UI wow. the little cursor. I mean, yes, a lot of games yes. are doing that now. Um, sure. I don't know, man. Like for me, it doesn't feel tight enough. If that makes sense. Like something about, I actually, well, I part of it, I, I turned my uh, sensitivity down because they had it like cranking immediately. Um, but something about yeah. the shooting and the abilities don't, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't want to say it doesn't feel good, but it just, it's not visceral enough. Like it's, the shooting feels a bit floaty. Um, the abilities even popping those off just aren't hitting me. And you know what's weird? And a lot of the stuff, what I'm saying now, I'm sure is what they're looking for, why they're putting this out. I'm sure the yeah. demo is pretty much what we're going to get day one, but these are things that can all change. But like when you go into your UI screen to like see mm -hmm. your, you know, your character, it like fades to black and stops all the audio. And then suddenly then like comes back in and it just feels weird like you're you're there, it's like almost like they're taking wow. you out of the game to then go to your ui screen but then you know when you go back in or if you go to a cut scene like it's the same way like there's a lot of things that i think they need to i don't know just kind of trim around the edges to make it this concise experience so for me like I'm, I'm i've enjoyed what i played and it's cool that the uh, progress is going to carry over um but yes. my excitement and hype for the game actually has gone backwards I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. yeah, okay. dude, like, I don't know. Like I was planning on getting this. I'm like, this is going to be the April 1st game. Cause I need something to play on these new consoles. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, I don't know if I'm going to buy this day one now. Like I'm going to play more and I've only played solo. I haven't played with friends yet. So that's, that was my next thing was that one of the guys I played a lot of destiny with them. Like we need to get together and play. Cause I'm thinking when you, so when you are playing with different classes and having kind of that dynamic, 
I think the game would open yeah. up a little bit more. But honestly, just playing solo, I'm kind of like the game's gorgeous. It's it it looks good. I like the fact the story they're putting in there, which to me that's where the Square Enix hand is kind of coming down. Even yeah. though they're obviously just publishing yeah. the game, not developing it. I'm sure Square said, "Hey, you know, there are all these other." Even though this isn't a live service game, I mean, it is more just a, a standalone game. Like I said, they, they've come out and said that there is a lot of story there. So when you're talking to characters, there's a lot more dialogue and things to kind of get out of that. Um, you can dig a little bit deeper so you get the story of the world. So I do like that. That's something like Destiny doesn't have. Hell, even The Division doesn't give you that. Um, so I think right. that's cool that they're really kind of doubling down on that. Um, but right now, it's just to me... Like you're saying it all comes together in this one ball. To me, I can see all the different pieces. And to me, it's almost not melding together enough to create a, a solid enough experience. I, 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 I don't know. To, it's weird. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things that I was to myself, a little personal inventory gripe with the game or just like kind of like, well, they should tighten up this and that. You know, I agree with you that the game felt too loose. I had to change my sensitivity as well. Um, and also to these little different parts that you can see from other experiences, other games, it's not as cohesive or integrated as it should be, right? It's not as seamless. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, I think, like you said before, Mark, that's what the demo is for. But for myself, you know, I went in, and I love when I do this, I went in with these very, I won't say very low expectations, but I, okay, I didn't have any expectations. You know, I have been speaking with Square Enix, you know, back and forth about the game. And, okay, let's get a Q&A. Okay, let's show this video. And, let's, and so we've done that with them. And so, and I, lo I love Square Enix. And I, I'm a fan of people who can, can fly personally. So I was like, let me jump in this demo and just test it out. I was in the op opposite direction of your of your feelings, Mark. I, I was like, why does this feel very, very smooth? And then a little too smooth, right? A little too smooth. There was a bit of uh, what do you call it? Cheesy little cheese ball effect going on early on with the dialogue. But I, was, <laughs> I don't want to cut you right? off, dude. But you say that, and you know what I said? I tweeted it today. This game feels yeah. like Defiance yeah. on the Xbox 360 to me. Oh no, not that bad, dude. It is. It's a third-person shooter, and you have abilities. Like, granted, that was much oh, more man. of an MMO. Go back and play Defiance on the Xbox 360. <laughs> You got it. They they did it. They made yeah. the sequel. Here we go. We're Outriders. Like, uh, it's just, oh which, it feels I like was, a 360 game, bro. It does to me. I hate to say that, but it does. No, I, I, I can see that. Oh, man, Mark, you're hitting like some serious high points with this because, I mean, you're, 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 you're right. Um, does that, and I'm not saying that makes it bad, but no, it just, no, it, no, 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 it makes sense what you're saying because I'm thinking about the experience, man. Uh, I feel like I just got off the game. But of course, I haven't picked it up. I literally today, did. When I you would... texted me and said you're ready, I was I was playing Outriders again. Like, oh, I, I keep going back to it. But earlier today, I played for like an hour. And then just in my head, I was like, you know what? Let me jump over to Destiny. And like, you get in there. Destiny just feels oh so good. And like, I, I, you know, use fire in those weapons, just the feeling of it. And then that compared to Outriders, like it just doesn't feel good to me, which is you know, kind of, I don't know. Yeah, but it, I, I have I have been able to... to 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 um, departmentalize uh, other experiences, you know, when you bring up Destiny, it's like wow, you know, you know what I mean? Like that's a, that's like a high standard. It's the pinnacle, um, right? I mean, it is in terms of gunplay. The games that and like I guess you could say Call of Duty. They're yes. they're just the best. Right, and then you think about what Outriders is. I mean, it's the person, right? And so nailing that could be difficult. Um, 
But I'm going to tell you, Mark, I just walked away from it yesterday with all that they're allowing you to be able to do. Just in demo form, just the potential of where this could go. I'm, I'm going to side on the side of like, I'm really excited and I hope this game is it. Um, but just using that game as just one example, don't, I don't want to get too carried away about the game. But I'm glad you pointed those things out because when I jump on the game today, I'm going to be like Mark Turkett online. Like, okay, <laughs> what are you doing to me? I'll, I just totally oh, man, ruined but, uh, your mind yeah. now when it comes to Outriders. But but, like, but in the end, oh. you know, like I'm with you where I the world is interesting. It definitely like there are some places to go. And in the end, I mean, when you watch some of those deep dives mm-hmm. that they've done, which actually I didn't even really follow this game. I knew it was coming here really until like the last week where I kind of watched. I went back and kind of watched some of those videos they've been doing. Um, they do make it a point to say it's an RPG. Like they 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 say that multiple times. So it's like if you kind of step back and say, all right, well, you know, kind of like how, and I, I'm not comparing it to Mass Effect in any means, but like Mass Effect was an RPG that then had gunplay as an element. That's kind of what this is. Like I said, they, they're giving you conversation pieces, all that stuff. Yes. And so if you kind of look yes. at it that way and say, it's not really a shooter per se. I mean, even The Division was the same way. The, the Division really was an RPG. You know, you, you'd be shooting at an enemy that had a, a hoodie on and you, he was a bullet sponge, but it was because he was a higher level than you or whatever. I mean, it just, it had those mechanics. It wasn't Ghost Recon where the headshot, they're immediately dead. Like it still is that type of game. Um, but uh, I don't know, but let's shift gears away from Outriders, man. I One final thing here before we wrap it up. I do want to mention, or just talk to you about, we mentioned games as a service. What about game service you know we're to the point now where like an xbox game pass you know you're having these tons of games on there playstation obviously has you know playstation now um microsoft though you know is doubling down on day and date new releases every game they put out first party the day it's out they want you in and part of that is they just want to have a buy-in from people to buy into the ecosystem of you're going to get these games. And, you know, obviously we all knew it was obviously going to be a great value. But, like, for me, the one game just recently that released that I you definitely know? would not – yeah, I would not have purchased. I mean, it looked cool, but I was like, I would never spend the money on it, was The Medium. A game that, yeah. again, wouldn't have spent yes. the money on, but because I have it, because it's included with Game Pass, I jumped in. Not going to say it was my favorite game or that it was incredible, but it was just like the classic Netflix thing where it's like, hey, here's a new series that launched on Friday. Everybody's talking about it. I already have it. Why not fire it up and play it? Um, right. What do you think of that? Like, do you think eventually Sony is going to have to maybe go down that route as well to, you know, maybe incentivize players? And I mean, I think that even also kind of couples into now Sony's announcement of here recently of their right. games now going to PC as well. So right. we don't well, know if that's going to be day and date. That's the thing. I don't think they they've said that. Um, no. So you know, you may have Horizon no, for, Forbidden that. West, and you got to wait a year or two to play it on PC, but. Um, yeah. a game Take service, like a, a Netflix-style service, is that the future of video you know, games, do you think? It is. I believe I believe it's completely the future, uh, but it's all about how, how do we get to that future, right? What's going, what, what needs to take place? And I, we look at what Microsoft has done with their acquisition of ZeniMax. That's going in the right direction of making uh, games service that's similar to that of a Netflix or a Hulu or whatnot. Um, so right now, Sony does not need, in my opinion, I don't believe Sony is in a position where, or yes, I don't believe Sony is in a position where Microsoft is moving the needle that much with their game pass to cause Sony to do that. And I'm going to tell you why. 
You mentioned a game like the medium, which, by the way, I never played the medium, but I have spent almost too much time watching the game. <laughs> and I've seen like the first seven hours. Literally, you just sat there and watched yeah. the first like maybe six, seven hours of the game. And it's the type of game that I would like. But like you, I would have never bought the game if it wasn't on Game Pass, right? My to answer your question of whether Sony would need to do that, maybe eventually, but I don't think that Microsoft is being aggressive enough in the in 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 the current moment with Game Pass, right? Uh, when Microsoft acquired Zenimax, oh, that was an unnerving thing for the industry. Like, what in the world? Because of what comes with that, the Arcane Studios, the machine games, including Bethesda and whatnot, all these great developers under this one umbrella. You imagine the idea of dropping this many games and they're free day one. That's the future, and that's what Microsoft is going to bank on. It was a brilliant acquisition. But when I look at what have you done for me lately, that idea, right? When you look at all of 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021, I can maybe count on two hands what was great. You know, in fact, if you look at they announced the acquisition of Zenimax, to today, what was great about Game Pass? Medium, <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm not trying to say that Game Pass is not worth the yeah. money, but at the moment, because what? Because watch this, and I don't want to make a comparative. I can't help but do that. Right, of course. When you course. look at, right, but Sony goes, okay, we're going to give you Destruction All Stars for seventy bucks. People say, no, that you're going to give us a car smashing game for seventy bucks on PS5. Don't do that. So Sony says, okay, they double down. We're going to give it to you for free, and then they give you Bug Snacks for free. By the way, I highly recommend you play Bug Snacks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah Bug Snacks is great, man. Yep. Oh my god, I would have never played that game. I played it. I'm like. Please play Bug Snacks. It's the new smoke. It's it's impressive. Um, and then now they're talking about giving you Ratchet and Clank for free, right? It's coming out, and then they're going to be giving you newer games. I, I I believe that Sony is already trying to maneuver themselves, wiggle themselves into a better light when it comes with services uh, uh, for PlayStation because of Game Pass's potential. I believe that Game Pass Game Pass is still in that great potential phase, really? but it hasn't been truly realized. Well, dude, see, because, see here think what I think this. you're... All right, well, go ahead. When I look at Game Pass, I look at the experiences that Game Pass offers. There's a lot of games on Game Pass. There's tons of games on Game Pass right now. But if we're looking at a comparison to, let's say, PlayStation Now, there's tons of games on there that you can download. I mean, there's too many, in fact, right? It's almost a 1,000. And some people say, well, a lot of that shovelware, I'm like, no, I beg to differ. You look at what's there to play, to download, it's, it's very comparable. Game Pass, conceptually, is a behemoth of an experience if you're dropping games every month. If you're dropping games every two months, that's forgivable. Hell, if you drop one great but dude, game every I think quarter, that's what you, I think if, if you're looking at first-party Microsoft games, yeah, they're, they're, they're not there. But you look at, like, for me, what's been great about Game Pass, I can think of two games that came out day and date and had nothing to do with Microsoft were multi-platform and blew me away, weren't on my radar. They were those games that would have been at E3 that would have been the talk of the show floor. Cyber yeah. Shadow, awesome 8-bit Ninja Gaiden style game. Fantastic. Game's incredible. Yes, Spirit Fair. Did you play Spirit Fair? Incredible oh. story. I mean, it'll have you in tears by the end of it. Day and date, it's on PC, it's on PlayStation, all that. It's free with Game Pass. 
Like those are the types of games to me that are almost more impactful because every single week game pass is getting those games, dude. Like if you're not following it, you're not seeing it in the big headlines because they're not the big Bethesda games. They're not the Microsoft game studios or Xbox game studios games. It's these little games that people aren't really maybe tracking or following that every week I just randomly always put up on Game Pass. I see what's new on there, and I'm like, oh, I never heard of that game. Let me check it out. Granted, sometimes I'll put a game that maybe has been out for a month or two that's been on PC for that long, but now it's on consoles. Day and date, it's there, dude. Like, to me, that's what's been... How often, often, Mark, are you getting those experiences on Game Pass? Do they they put games out every week? So it just depends on. But at least once a month, at least once a month, there's a game that is a an indie PC game or whatever that they're putting on Game Pass that I never even was even on my radar, and it's a style of game that I would probably dig. You know, like that to me has been just the most impressive thing about it. And this they've been doing that, dude, for like a year and a half. Like there's just tons of games on there that I'm just blown away by. I'm like, what? I didn't even know. Or a game that I've heard about people playing on PC. And suddenly it just randomly appears on Game Pass. Yeah. yeah. To me, that's where the incentive has been of like, wow, like they're just, you know, where I look at what Sony's done and Sony, it's more just like, hey, here's all the PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 and some old PS3 and PS4 games that you've you've probably already played. Game Pass is just games that like I've never heard of or just new stuff that's coming out around that time. Like that's what to me has been the incentive about Game Pass is they're kind of curating these popular games that you don't know about yet. I'm glad you're you're bringing that up uh, because, yes, maybe I should say, I should be quite honest and say that you know from a commercial standpoint of looking at you know those headline games, um, you know you talk about these smaller indie games. That's something Sony was trying to do. They kind of got away from that latter part of PlayStation Four when you start focusing on their first party games. But that's really a good sign for Game Pass that they're offering those type of games that you've never heard of. Like again, you bring up Shadow Shadow, like Cyber Shadow, dude. I, I, I can't, Great. I played that game. I, yeah, I didn't know that game was on Game Pass. I yeah, love day that. and date. Do that day. You can go buy it. Which they're almost competing was, yeah. in a, in one angle, almost with Nintendo in that sense, because the Switch has kind of become like the indie darling oh console. Partly because you can just, it's mobile, you can take it with you. But right. <laughs> that same day, it's like, do I want to buy it on my Switch or do I want to just play it for free right now with Game Pass? Well, I'll just play it for free. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. you know. I, 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 again, as I mentioned earlier, I do see Sony doing some wiggling, you know, wiggle room for trying to compete on that front. Um, but I don't think that Game Pass as of yet has been that much of a threat to to the PlayStation's eco on that front as far as the game service. Um, and I want to see more. I think that's why they acquired, uh, it's all about moving the needle, right? That's yeah. why they acquired Netflix. You have to put games on there that attract people that, that pulls us from what we're currently doing. I mean, I'm blessed to be able to play everything. However, when you look at the the average consumer um, and where they're going to spend their money, if you want that consumer, you have to have something that's like worthwhile. And when you say, when, when a person says game pass and the idea of what game pass is, it's, that's a, I mean, do you understand how competitively like massive that is like to be, to yeah. drop, I mean, first party is one thing, but to drop these third party games, I remember when Metro Exodus hit Game Pass, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. I love Metro Exodus. Like, wow. Like, that's great. And, and dude, that course, hit like, didn't that know, hit like three or four months after it launched? Like, it was, was quick. Like a month after. 
probably. Metro Exodus yes. hit yes. real quick. Yes. And, you know, then I even, you think about even the other incentive, too, with Game Pass right now. And, I mean, PlayStation Now, you can stream to your PC. Um, but Game Pass, just sure. with the ability to stream to, you know, mobile phones, they're coming very soon with the browser-based streaming, and that's kind of their workaround yeah. for iOS. But perfect example, I think of Chris. Yeah. Chris doesn't have an Xbox, but Chris has always been a huge Halo guy. When Halo Infinite yeah. comes out, dude can drop 15 bucks or probably pay a dollar for the 30-day trial or whatever it is. Play yeah. through Halo yes. Infinite through yes. his computer, even though he's streaming it. It may not be the best quality, you know, best version of that. Man, Check man, it out. Man. Yeah. It's incredible, yeah. man. And, yeah. and then Microsoft hopes yeah. that he doesn't cancel the prescription and they get to charge him, you know, just keep charging him and there you go. It's it's I, I, it's in a weird gaming is just in a totally different place now. It's it's incredible. It is, it is different from the past and I'm I'm really excited about it. I, I really want uh these massive strides to be taken. I get the dream effect and you have to do that because you have to build. Uh but I'm I a bit impatient. I'm ready for this explosion. I'm ready for it to be like Oh my God, this is amazing! And of course, partially that's due to my my wanting Microsoft to to really kill it. But I really do. I really want Microsoft to kill it because for so long uh, they've been, you know, after, after the 360, there's been this uphill battle for them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited about Game Pass and what Game Pass means for them. Right now, it seems like Game Pass is the de facto narrative for the Microsoft Xbox ecosystem. Yep. Right. Um, it's their to you know that's in my opinion i believe that they positioned xbox game pass as sony positions their story-driven first-party titles right totally yeah. um yep and so i believe that they're in a great position when i say they meaning microsoft and, and xbox division they're in a great position to um really win over a lot of consumers with the consistent eating of great games you mentioned earlier games like cyber shadow yes i love mm-hmm. those games but we're kind of mm-hmm. hardcore, Mark. Okay, the average consumer has no idea what Cyber Shadow is. He has no idea what that is. Okay, um, you mentioned another game earlier, Spiritfarer, which I'm familiar with, never played it. Um, most gamers that are casual, which is what the market is defined by, that's who spends the money. Okay, they don't, they don't, they're not familiar with that game. If you say something like a Metro Exodus, you say something like Halo, uh, these bigger titles, right? Th- they'll get it, um, even if it's a game that's a new IP but has a lot of production value behind it as it's marketed well, they'll get it. Uh, I think that's what Game Pass needs more of, but not to talk to the idea of what a better Game Pass. There are things about PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now that definitely need to be better. Um, But I do believe that Game Pass in and of itself is the future. And I believe Microsoft, completely, they're they're in in that race as far as where the market is, where the industry is going. Um, I just hope they nail it, man. But uh, it's exciting times, my brother. Totally. Yep. Great time to be a gamer, man, for sure. Um, it's a big time. All right. Well, let's wrap it up there, Derek. Give everybody, I guess, the plugs where they can find you online, where to go to find Game Insider, the YouTube channel, all that. Give them the plugs, man. Absolutely. Go to uh, game-insider.com, the website. And also, we're very proud of our YouTube channel. So, of course, if you go over to YouTube and it's Game Insider, uh, it's we changed our logo. Uh, it's more of a diamond-shaped sideways G. Um, and if you're listening to the show, of course, and you go over to YouTube and you'll find us. We're like ten thousand some odd, uh, or ten point seven thousand subscribers at the moment. Um, and also, then find us on Instagram at Game Insider Digital. 
uh, Instagram DM, Game Inside of Digital. We're very proud of uh, where we're going with that. We're taking a lot of our content from YouTube and putting it over there and on our IGTV, uh, trying nice. to make that tantalizing for a lot of people, man. And so, yeah, that's nice. that's, that's, that's a- All right, awesome. Yeah. And I'll put links to all that down in the show notes too for folks to uh, just be able to click it here if they're listening to the podcast. So, uh, all right, Derek, well, good chat with you, man. Hopefully, uh, you know, next time, because I know we're going to have you on here again. I know there's always going to be video games news to talk about, man. So I'll definitely get you back on here and something here in the future, Let's man. Do it. So I do. Take care. Take care, brother. All right. Well, there you go. Always good conversation with Derek. Kim and I always, always go long when we have our conversations. And I guarantee you, we could have been talking for hours. I love talking to the industry with him. I mean, we used to do a show back in the day. I mean, I don't even think I mentioned it. Uh, I think it came up once during that conversation called Game Reverb. We were actually the the podcast for uh, Game Insider and, you know, went to E3 multiple times. I mean, you heard us kind of talking about that. And we would have so much fun every single week just chatting about the news, you know, kind of kind of what I do with The Enthusiast Life, obviously, but, you know, getting more deep into just video games in the industry. And, you know, that's kind of where we were when Guardian Radio started. It was just such a fun time, and uh, I miss sitting down and chatting with him. So I'll definitely be having him back, I'm sure, at some point, uh, you know, to talk about the video game industry and, uh, you know, some of the hot topics, man. It's it's always a good time. So hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, as always, you know, big thanks to Gamergoo for supporting the show. Gamergoo, that antiperspirant for your hands. Don't forget, it gives you up to four hours of non-sweaty hands. You can check out all the different scents over at Gamergoo.com. If, if you are over there, be sure to use my promo code TEL and save yourself 10% off your order today. Again, that's Gamergoo.com. Use my promo code and save yourself 10% off your order today. Well, tomorrow you'll be getting a... Uh, the Patreon, the latest Patreon episodes, so be on the lookout for that. This is a beefy, beefy episode, over two hours of conversation. They're a great conversation uh, that we actually did, gee, probably over two weeks ago now. So there's a couple of things that are definitely going to be dated in there, but as always, fantastic conversation. So until next time, everybody, have a great day, and we'll catch you next time.